Hello everyone, welcome to Small Biz Tips. So about, Jesus, 15 years ago, <laughs> I met this guy while in New York City uh, at a tech event and he blew my mind. Um, you know, we didn't get a chance to stay connected, but I saw him on LinkedIn and I reached out and he replied. So I had to bring him on a pod. He's doing some amazing things. Brian, what's going on, man? What's up? What's up? I'm very happy to be here. It's great to see you after so many years. Please don't <laughs> tell anybody else how many it's been. Feeling I'll try old. not to. <laughs> so um, to get the ball rolling, before we start talking about all the amazing things you've been doing, can you share a bit more about who is Brian? Sure, sure. So uh, hey, everybody, I'm Brian Shields. Uh, I'm an acquisition entrepreneur and growth executive. Um, you know, I've now had uh, almost two decades worth of experience starting out in private equity where I was working with deal teams to buy and improve the value of different kinds of companies, including software and technology companies. Uh, I then uh, started an incubator, which is where I met Jewelbert, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and transitioned to California where I was running business development and growth at a mm. few different venture-backed startups, uh, the most recent of which was a venture-backed property management business that then led mm. me to realized that I should put all that experience together and go out and buy uh, some companies. And so I did that, acquired a company in 2019 that was a property management business and nice. was lucky enough to exit it for, uh, for, for a return in 2022. So done a lot in there. You know, I've, I've had ups, I've had a lot of downs, um, mm. I'm just returning from a sabbatical and very happy to share all the lessons learned and tell people where That's the bodies awesome. are buried. Uh-oh, we're about to get down to it. So I'm curious, you were in business development and you turn around and buy a business. Can you talk about that mindset, right? Because not every, you know, employee will think about, oh, I'm just, I got all this experience. Let me go buy a business. Like, what was your mindset at that time? Yeah, man. So, you know, I would love to see more people, especially people who look like us, uh, mm -hmm. pursue acquiring and owning a business, right? Um, we talk in our, in our community a lot about buying property and that yeah. is definitely a tool to creating wealth. But, you know, in addition to that, owning companies, it's like owning stock, right? Like it yeah. gives you the opportunity to have an unequal impact on your wealth creation directly. And so when you think about, for myself, working in business development, my job mm -hmm. was finding and creating opportunities to grow revenue and grow equity value for these businesses. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at the, <clears throat> excuse me, at the most recent one that, um, you know, I was like head of growth, we went for, we, we 20X to revenue in two years, right? Wow. And, you know, if, if I own the business, like that equity value <laughs> would trickle down to me and I got paid well yeah. for it. But I think the thing to keep in mind is that if a company can pay you your six-figure salary, yeah, you know, they have to be getting multiples of that back in terms of value to the overall organization. And so for me, at some point, uh, I came to the that realization and I had to confront that the, the, the belief or lack mm. thereof that I was capable of doing it for myself. And, mm. you know, I know we're raised with like the get a good job, get yeah. stable <laughs> mentality. And I definitely was too. Um, but at some point you got to, you got to bet on yourself because that's the that's the way wealth is created, right? It's like making yeah. these investments in bed. It's not like in your 401k. It's not yeah. like passive investments. It's typically you taking an active role in your life and your portfolio mm -hmm. and ultimately your your own personal net worth.
Wow. Uh, you said so much here. And I think um, being able to make that decision, right? Like you mentioned, to, to take that next step. So I'm curious, when you were going through that process of acquiring that business, what were some of the top lessons you learned, right? Like you were like, oh, when I do it next time, I'm not going to do this. So I'm not going to do that. You know, um, this was not my first time trying to buy or buying a business. I'll be <laughs> candid. <laughs> so, so there was like the whole private equity part of this where mm -hmm. I had an institutional fund. I was doing deals and like that looks totally different than buying like a small quote unquote business. Mm. And um, prior to acquiring Hill and Company, which is the company that I acquired, uh, I had bought this vending machine business and, you know, like <laughs> calling it a business is probably being very gracious because it was like a few vending machines with great locations yeah. and like snacks. <laughs> so that's what I bought. <laughs> uh, and, and in that process, like one of the things that I had to, I had to do was actually like yeah. drive and go like stock the machines. And um, I, I came to find that that was difficult for me to do for a couple of reasons. Mm. Number one, I just don't enjoy driving. So <laughs> I, I like just fundamentally don't like driving. So, um, so for me to like make the rounds, it became challenging just kind of like energetically. And and that mm. taught me, Hey, like focus on things that you are good at and enjoy yeah. doing because you'll be great at them. Right. Second thing was, um, at like the, the ability to measure Mm. efficiency and capacity utilization with that kind of a business is just difficult right and like the yeah. way my brain works is i like to measure metrics and operate those to higher performance so yeah you know like taking risks on doritos versus sun chips <laughs> or trying to transition from healthy foods to something like unhealthy foods or vice versa it was just mm -hmm. like you could have some metrics on it but that it's it was so case by case in terms of like this uh, vending machine was in a law firm and like mm. they generally like bad foods and then this one was at a you know different kind of company and they like healthy foods and finding like the consistency the media, of, yeah. of of cogs of like inventory strategy there was difficult and so that just reminded me hey man physical products are maybe not your thing <laughs> <laughs> service and and tech and like you know technology activities uh are, are like much more aligned with what you do well mm. and so like that was the big one and so that like as i started looking at other businesses yeah i tried to cross off the ones that were like oh this could be like i could talk myself into this because mm -hmm. it's a cool product and the margins look good etc because i had to say no in respect of the fact that i don't do well with product businesses um, like this just hasn't been my experience base. Yeah. And, um, you know, there were just other things that weren't necessarily a Brian to business fit. And mm. so that would be like the biggest thing that I like to tell people and talk through with people is in addition, like we're all smart people. Like if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're already <laughs> made like intelligent decisions. So like, I think that that we can check that box. You can figure out is the business good? Is the industry yeah. growing, et cetera. But it's those qualitative parts of it that really take you from, good investment to great both yeah. in the fact that like you can have an outsized impact on the business where your intuitions your experiences your skill sets can really influence the way that the business runs even if you're in a team yeah uh, and that uh like when year five rolls around and you're still mm. running the same business 
you're not burned out. You're not exhausted. Mm-hmm. You're not like, man, I'm so tired of widgets. <laughs> I just wish I could be doing something else, you know? So like those would be some, that, that's kind of like the big theme that I like to to push back on people that I've learned so, the hard way. One thing I'm hearing is know thyself, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, and the best mm-hmm. way to know thyself is by actually taking action like you did because mm-hmm. you took action to figure, oh, I, I don't like that. So I'll never do that again. Um, I think that's 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 huge because a lot of us don't really know ourselves. We don't really know what we like and what we dislike because sometimes we're so afraid to take that risk, right? Which take me to my next question. I think it's pretty, you, you guys bought the business in 2019, exit in 2022. That's literally three years. So what happened in that three-year period that made it a great exit for you? like was it the growth was it and tell us more about that yeah man uh what i what where i thought you were going was like what happened in that time period and i will tell you covid (laughs) 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 it was yeah that was a lot um so so i think first just a comment on the point you made about know thyself um Mm. as and this will tie into what happened during this time period so one of the activities i had pursued prior to buying a business was just like having some fun so I partnered with like the fintech company I was at uh, mm-hmm. to help organize this ping pong tournament for fundraising across San Francisco. And like they had started doing some work. It was like a small team. It was kind of like supposed to be second year. And the team was kind of like inconsistently doing what they're supposed to be doing. There's no accountability. And like, I just played a lot of ping pong. So I was like, <laughs> I'd love to help. But like, what are y'all doing? And so I just found myself in these meetings kind of pushing a little harder and like trying mm-hmm. to implement a little bit more professionalism and organization. And then I just like became the de facto leader of the group. And so we went from like off track, kind of like product creation and sales to on track and everybody had clear roles. Mm. Um, you know, I took a primary role in like selling and trying to like find sponsors and just like yeah. organizing the event, the vision and really empowering people on the team who had uh, strong capabilities in different parts of like customer experience or design mm-hmm. or whatever, just like vibes to make sure that the event went off well. And so what I took away from that was like, I do really well when there are some existing processes that need enhancement. And then like, we just mm. need to point the the, the, gotcha. the ship in a better direction. And so that's kind of what m- made the Hill and Company uh, experience work to a certain extent, right? So my partner and I, I had a business partner in this, um, who without which I would have not been able to do this because he kept me sane throughout all the ups <laughs> and downs. Um, so, so also find yourself a business partner, people. Um, nobody does these things alone. So he and I, we acquired the business and it mm-hmm. was in need of modernization, right? Like the, the, the anecdote I like to tell is that the accounting department had to stand up in their cubicles to see you coming because the papers were stacked so high <laughs> that you couldn't like see anybody over from your desk. Wow. And so I got to find a picture of that somewhere. It's somewhere in my phone. <laughs> um, and, and so like we had our work cut out for us, right? The servers mm-hmm. were on site. The processes were super manual. Like mm. we had to use manila folders and like stamps wow. to get invoices done. Um, and so there's like a lot of opportunity there, which is great, but there's also a lot of work to be done. And so yeah. what, I ended up doing was the kind of the same process. I looked at how we were doing things. Um, the benefit for me in this scenario was that I had been in, I'd either invested in or operated in 15 different industries by this mm-hmm. point. And so I had seen a lot of different 
formats and like yeah. organizations of different types of departments. So I knew like this department really functioned more like a customer service organization. Mm -hmm. This department functioned like an inside sales team. This department functioned like this, et cetera, et cetera. And so we could reorganize it into some form format that Structures. looked like a best practice. <laughs> Yeah. But I had the ability and the, the the soft skills as well as the quantitative mind to say, hey, this is why we should do it. Let me help influence you to get there. And then now we can look at these measurements and see we used to do this. Mm. Now we're doing better than this uh, because of these changes of and like continue gotcha. to sell that to people. So so I think to your spirit and know thyself, like I looked at what I had been just consistently doing and good at and kind of like implicitly invited in to do in some of my like extracurriculars and normal work. Yeah. And then just applied that to this. And so overall, we started to turn things around. Like the when we acquired the business, we had like a negative 50 NPS net promoter score, which basically means nobody wanted to refer us to anybody. People were actively not referring <laughs> us. <laughs> and uh, we turned it around. We got it to zero in six months. And the industry average is seven. So we like got oh, wow. to pretty close to average in six months. And a lot of it was just like some of this blocking and tackling and making clear to people how we are doing relative to what is expected of us and the new processes that we've put in place. Wow. So much to unpack here. I want to go back to a question you said, not a question, but you mentioned mm -hmm. getting a business partner. How mm -hmm. do you identify who's the right business partner for you? Right? Because mm. you hear people say, yeah, I want a business partner. I want a business partner. Then they're partnering with someone and it doesn't go well. You know what I mean? Yeah. The expectation yeah. were met. So how did you find that good business partner? Uh, how did you, okay, this made a good business partner. Let's partner up together. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, you know, um, I would say this is where know thyself really comes into play. Um, <laughs> and I heard a framing recently from a VC whose name I cannot remember. And they said that they like to evaluate founders of tech companies as if they are missionaries, like they're on a mission for the product and the this, mm -hmm. the problem. Or are they mercenaries? They just saw a market <laughs> opportunity and then just like wanted to jump in and like build something, right? And there's obvious implications in the passion level for and, and the, the commitment level. So um, I, I think that the same can be true of these partnerships, right? Mm -hmm. They're all these founder and like partner dating kind of like organizations and services and stuff. And they're meant to like match you with somebody. Yeah. But it's kind of like... I don't mean to speak ill of this and, and that's not my intent, but like, uh, like the dating apps, right? Yes, they can match you with people, but that doesn't necessarily increase the percentage chance of you having a long-term fruitful relationship, right? Like yeah. the foundational, the individual foundational, like understanding of each person, how they work and their commitment level to things is really the driver of that. And so how do you cut through that? Well, my personal belief is that it takes time, right? Mm -hmm. it, you have to know someone for a while have seen them in their ups and downs, go through your own ups and downs, kind of see how y'all interact in yeah. ups and downs to then make those decisions. And so, um, so, so my buddy who I ended up partnering with, I had known him for a few years. He's, you know, we're about the same age, um, yeah. have similar backgrounds and we just kept running in each other in a lot of different social circles. And so we were like, Hey, cool cat, let's wrap. That's uh, cool. And we and we started escalating commitment, not necessarily to buy a business, but we were just yeah. like, hey, man, you're smart. I'm smart. Like, let's figure out some investment things. And we we found we were circling some similar interests mm -hmm. um, in real estate. And so we started kind of like riffing about that, sharing information, you know, having like debates about whether or not a strategy made sense. Uh, and 
And then like we looked at some deals, tried to get over the hump and, and all these opportunities presented us uh, situations where we had to navigate conflict and mm. kind of see eye to eye. And I think one of the most valuable things I, I valued in our partnership and relationship was we typically, we, we typically operated from the same like values, like mm -hmm. both goals for the company and just like how to deal with situations. So we could get to decisions relatively quickly with lower friction because mm -hmm. we were on the same page about like how we looked at the world and that we knew that over com coming from time. And then yeah. to the know, know thyself point, like we, we, we saw how very complementary our personalities and our like perspectives were. Yeah. Um, so like um, the people like organization leader and he's the uh, like deep work thinking strategic gotcha. person and and like i am uh like very extroverted and can be <laughs> energetically shifted and then he's like very introverted and can be like very rooted and so like we can find good decisions between the it's two like the yin and the yin <laughs> exactly and and that only like truly like that only comes from knowing yourself right so mm -hmm. and and also like knowing yourself well enough to know when to say no to some partnerships like i've mm -hmm. had to politely decline people some some people's interest in working together because i just know having seen them work it won't yeah. function well for me and how i like to work so so I think that's like really key. But so I would just say, like, look around, man, like for anybody who's in community with other, you know, executives, business people, et cetera, just like try things. Like, I think this is where that try stuff thing comes into play. Like try to buy a property, try to buy a business, yeah. try to like make an investment in some stock and just work with other people because you can then see, oh, you know, Lisa thinks this way. Mm -hmm. Billy thinks that way. Deshaun gets this way when he's frustrated or whatever. And like, you can see, how you function and how they function and then like does it fit right wow wow that, that i think that's crucial especially if you're going to be in the acquisition space because you know you guys are buying like a million dollar plus company together uh you know there, if there's a lot of friction and people can't decide or make decisions together that thing can not work out <laughs> And now everybody got to hold that debt. So I completely understand. So um, I'm kind of curious, um, being able to grow the business and exit in three years, right? What were some of the lessons you learned when you did that first exit? Yeah, man. Um, you know, we had, we. I got this advice from one of my mentors, a buddy that I rode bikes with up in the Bay. And he had sold a company, he'd raised like, raised the series a and then sold his company mm -hmm. to apple uh and you know like on the surface it's like oh why did you sell your company so early and blah 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 <laughs> and i had this i had that conversation with him because i yeah. felt like you know our goal with this with our business was to hold it forever like we didn't intend to sell it <laughs> and so he said to me look like people will tell you investors will tell you we're trying to build this enduring company take it public, stick it out, et cetera. But what they don't always appreciate is that an, an, op, an acquirer doesn't come, they don't come around every day. Right? Yeah. The, the person, because when their strategy fits what you have, yeah. that is a point in time. And so you have to evaluate the value and the fit of that timing relative to like all the other things like, oh, can mm -hmm. I grow this like really, really rapidly? Am I having fun doing this? Blah, blah, blah. Do I need to do this? And so 
for us, it was a right place, right time fit. In addition to the fact that we had made the asset and the business like better. And mm -hmm. so we had to have a serious conversation about like, would we regret it if we <laughs> didn't take this seriously? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I would say that this is a perfect example of um, luck is a combination of opportunity plus, plus preparedness. The opportunity yeah. came along and that was great. That was a blessing. And our preparedness in terms of like how we set up the business and like set it up the infrastructure and system so that they could be replicable and, and transferable met at the right time and that created mm. luck for us and so i won't say that like a three-ish year exit is the norm it's definitely not yeah <laughs> uh, and, and, and covid covid helped us accelerate a lot of the internal transition um and that was not without its own psychological or financial costs like there's a lot of stuff that came with that as well yeah but uh but those things put us in position to take advantage of an opportunity like that and have some real discussions with each other about it. And so, you know, ultimately like that advice rang true. And we said, look, like um, it's nice to see the ball go through the hoop and know that you can make one of these things work. And so we did, we, we chose to kind of make the transition um, also just to show ourselves like, Hey, like yeah, you could do this. We're, we, we know what we're doing kind of like <laughs> at least, at least once, like so far I have a hundred percent track record. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, congratulations again. Now, What's next, man? Because you know, you, you you bought a business, you sold a business, you took some time off, now you're back. Like, what's the next thing for Brian right now? Yeah, you know, um, a couple of things. So first, um at the tail end of that experience, I experienced I experienced pretty severe burnout. Mm. Um, and you know, burnout is real, just like high level. Like I wasn't functioning productively, which was definitely different than stress because I carry yeah. stress very well. Like I can focus and compartmentalize, but I just like couldn't anymore. <laughs> so I just found that like something was wrong. And I started, I thought I had ulcers. Oh. Uh, my blood pressure was really high. So like there were wow. psychological and physiological manifestations of these things. So, so I've experienced burnout. I took a sabbatical and through that, I learned um, a lot about burnout as a condition and recovery mm -hmm. from that as such. Like, I don't think there's a white paper on the subject I haven't read over the last year. So, <laughs> so, um, so, so part of it is just like working with uh, individuals and co companies to a certain extent, just like help them think about how to manage their productivity and, and intensity. So I do yeah. some burnout coaching, but um, broadly in like my LinkedIn profile says I'm an acquisition entrepreneur yeah. and advisor. And that's kind of what I do. Right. So, so I'm looking for the next company to buy. I've, I'm developing uh, another thesis that I think I can okay. make a bet on. Um, so that's kind of coming into focus now. I have a couple of deals that I, I like. I was actually like finishing up some diligence packets on right before nice. we got on to just think about like what kind of a business I could buy and how does that fit into a longer thesis and maybe a portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm continuing to look at that. And so I'm always happy to chat with people who, who are looking to put money to work in that kind of a, a strategy. And then um, I'm just working with folks as advisors on their acquisitions. So, you know, I have a couple of relationships now where I'm working yeah. with uh, like institutional private equity firms, looking at some of the software companies they're talking to. Nice. Um, and then uh, I'm working with a couple of investors to be the like operational advisor and executive to some first time CEOs they've invested in. Yeah. Just to help them like keep the keep keep the train on the tracks um because like it. you know as speaking from experience being a first-time ceo can be it's not only lonely it's just like very 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 tumultuous you're just like i don't know what i'm focused <laughs> on am i focused on the right things 
yeah. this thing I'm stressed out about actually something to be stressed <laughs> out about? Like, <laughs> and is it distracting me from the big decisions I really need to make? Mm -hmm. So I, in addition to like, let's make sure we're prioritizing the right strategic activities and organizing the team appropriately and holding them accountable to the metrics we've set like that, that, that all relates. And so, um, so that's, yeah. that's, that's kind of what it is for me. I like it, you know, hopefully in a year or two, you'll talk to me and I'll be like, oh yeah, I got like these two businesses I just acquired and nice. uh, you know, we're well, growing them at a rapid clip. It's going to happen. I could feel it. Um, so to kind of wrap things up, right. What is that one small best tips you can share with any entrepreneurs? Maybe they're looking to grow through acquisition or, you know, they just acquire a business and they're like, oh crap, what am I doing? Did I make the right decision? What can you share with them to help them? Yeah, man, I, I will say two things. Um, first, on the last point you made, uh, I, I have had conversations with people who've started businesses and bought businesses Yeah, that at some point they realized they were in over their head. <laughs> and there's a difference between like feeling the stress and the weight of responsibility of covering mm -hmm. people's paychecks every two weeks and making decisions that could impact like a lot of the capital I, that you've put yes. to work and your family, et cetera. And being in over your head where you're like, I cannot get this to work. Mm -hmm. And I think that the sooner that you can accept that and make a transition, the better, right? Like mm -hmm. it said differently, don't be afraid to cut your losses. Like one cat I know, bought a business and within a year sold the business. And thankfully he sold it for like basically break even. Yeah. Um, when I sold the vending machine business, I took a little bit of a loss, but like it wasn't a huge number anyway. But um, but like cutting that loss so that you yeah. can then go be productive elsewhere is meaningful. It's super meaningful wow. because, uh, you know, like you can look up the, everybody knows the, like what a sunk cost is. So don't like throw bad money or don't throw yeah. good money after bad. Like that's just not a good look. So I think that's like one thing to keep in mind, like pay attention to yourself in that. Um, and then second, kind of on the other side of that, like do not do this alone. Mm. I'm not necessarily saying you have to have a partner, although statistics show that people who have partners tend to do bit better with their businesses. Yeah. Um, but like have a board, have people that you consult with, have advisors, have friends, have a community of people who are going through the same thing as you. Like I have a community of uh, black men in charge mm. uh, that like we have our own like round tables and stuff. And we That's talk awesome. about all of the things that are stressful or that are holding us up or blocking us from success. Some of that might yeah. be, how do I deal with this like employee situation or how do I design my org to function in a certain way? What one example is like, I've been uh, rap, I've been rapping with a guy about how to set up his organization because it functions very similar to how mine did at Hill. Mm. And I'm like, here's the deck. Here's like the incentive structure I put in place, blah, blah, blah. Like I'm just giving him all the, the answers nice. that I had. Um, and that's like helping him move forward uh, or just like helping each other think bigger, right? Like believe yeah. that you can dream bigger and achieve bigger because like, you know, people who look like us in a lot of cases get held back by practicality yeah. and responsibility. So it's sometimes it's okay to dream. So I say like, don't do this alone. Like keep people around you because those people will help you in like go further together. Right. Like, mm. and, and, you know, it really takes a village to raise your kids, to raise your net worth, like all of the above. Wow. I love it, Brian. Um, so how do people get in touch with you, man? If they want to reach out after this podcast, like what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Sure. Check me out. I'm on LinkedIn, Brian L Shields. It's Brian with an I, I am a gentleman. <laughs> and uh, I'm Brian Lee Shields, L-E-E -E Shields on Instagram and pretty much everything else. So find me Fantastic. somewhere there, mostly on Instagram or LinkedIn. 
Hey guys, check out Brian. As you can see, this man is full of gems. Thank you again for coming in today, brother. Really appreciate you. My pleasure. Anytime. <laughs>